Welcome to Side Notes, the podcast where we have curious conversations for creative minds. Each week, we'll work together to craft an authentic, intuitive, and creative life through self-discovery and aligned action. I'm your host, Jennifer Hulley, and I'm a therapeutic arts coach, a maker, and an arts educator. This week, we're looking at how to tap into your intuition and your inner knowing to make decisions and take action in your creativity. All right, on with the show. Today's episode, I want to talk about the process of supporting ourselves to grow, to expand, and to step into our most authentic expression as a human, but also as a creator. We are in a world, we are in a space where we are just inundated with experts, tips, tutorials, how-tos, courses, workshops, masterminds, podcasts, you name it. I know that I can get really overwhelmed by all of the expertise that we seem to be swimming in, and it can be almost not just destabilizing or debilitating, but like paralyzing, right? Education is power. Knowledge is power. I am a lifelong learner. If you know about the Jonathan Fields sparkotypes, I am a maker maven, which means I'm driven by a process to make ideas manifest into physical form, but it has to be supported by a very strong desire to learn and consume and master new knowledge. So I I am all for learning. Uh, And side note, if you are not familiar with Jonathan Fields' work, I really suggest you check out the book Spark or his podcast called Sparkotypes. I have found it super helpful while trying to navigate this world of being an entrepreneur, being a creative mind, and just finding a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment. Anyways, back to my original train of thought. Knowledge is power. Education is important. When we know better, we can think better and we can do better. But I want to talk about what happens when we get stuck in this mindset of believing that the other, our mentors, our teachers, our idols, what happens when we get stuck believing that those others know better? Well, what happens is we devalue our worth, we devalue our innate wisdom, we devalue the internal guidance system that we all are equipped with. And we get ourselves off the pedestal and we put somebody else up there. There is safety in doing that, perhaps, because if others know better and we're constantly in this like student mode of learning, we can remove ourselves from the responsibility and the stress that comes along with having the sovereignty to make our own decisions and to impact our experience, right? If we try something, Or if we don't try something and it doesn't work, then it's not our fault because our mentor or our guide or our teacher told us the wrong information or they didn't give us the information that we needed. There is so much safety in never being ready and believing that you don't know enough because you can say that I'll be able to do X, Y, Z when, or like when this course or this workshop's finished, I'm going to feel like I can stand up with credibility and I can go do this. It puts like a real life tangible block between us or a delay between where we are right now and the person and the creator that we want to step into being. It puts us in constant 
hustle mode. I'm thinking of that Brene Brown quote where it's something, and I'm going to butcher this because I can't remember it, but it's something about when you deny your self-worth, you're constantly, or when you deny who you are and your strengths and your skills and what you have, you are constantly hustling for self-worth. I will find that actual quote so that I cannot (laughs) butcher it like that, and I'll bring it into another episode, but It reminds me in the book, The Artist's Way, Julia Cameron talks about this idea of like the shadow career, ways that people safely step into like half of a role, especially artists and creators. We might work as an editor at a local publication when really you want to be a novelist, or you might become like a brand rep or a project manager when you really feel pulled to be that photographer. Or that gallery curator who longs for nothing more than to feel the grip and the mess of paintbrushes and paint between her fingers, but spends her life looking at, appreciating, and collecting other people's creations. So there's this idea of like wanting something, not feeling totally brave and ready to step into it, but like stepping into a little puddle of it versus like jumping into the deep end. And I would argue that when we put ourselves in this role of perpetual student, that that can also be a shadow career. You may not have actually taken up a shadow career where you're getting paid the bills to do something close to what you want to do, but you can make a lifetime and a career out of being a perpetual student. It definitely can take up the same energy, the same time and space in your life as a actual career. And it's important that when I say like career here, I'm not just meaning paid work. I'm using career to mean like this energetic exchange of you putting in the time and the energy to create and disperse something, some sort of output that's really linked to your heart and your soul as a creator. Because when we stay in this role of the student and we make a life and a living or we give away our life and our living to this endless pursuit of knowledge, we create a dichotomy between this being like the haver of knowledge and skills, the giver of the wisdom, and then the needer of the knowledge, the receiver, the person who's less powerful and needs to know and is more vulnerable, right? And I think that the danger in this discrepancy that we can create in our mind is that we create a real and tangible threshold that is feels heavy and it feels valid and it feels there and true, but it's also super vague and it is super undefined because what's required to step over from one position to the other? What is the, you know, rite of passage that moves you from being the haver of the knowledge, the giver of the wisdom to the needer of the knowledge? There's nothing really that defines that for us. So how do we know when and how we can obtain the necessary credibility or the knowing or the skills or the power to finally be able to say, yes, I am now the giver of knowledge. I have learned everything. And what we need, I think, is a little more gray. We need to mix these two roles, this idea of being a teacher and a student. Can we have them co-mingle and merge and come together to create something different, something where they are combined and they both take up space, we hold space for both of them in our brains, in our worlds, in our lives, in our energy fields. We look at our mentors and our teachers as maybe being along the journey with us. And this means We have to be really active in participating in the information that we allow to come into our brain and we need to be critical consumers of content. And this means we need to always be questioning what we're taking in from our leaders, our role models, our mentors. How do we think about the information and the viewpoints that they're sharing 
with us? What do we make it mean for us? And how is that meaning going to impact our lives? And how is that going to impact the things that we create or don't create, the thoughts that we have or don't have, and the feelings that we allow to take shape and form inside us? I am not here to teach you. Like I am here and I am humbled to be learning alongside of you. I, like I said, I am constantly learning new knowledge and I can have that amount of humility to say like, I don't know everything because the more you learn and the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And I firmly look at myself as a guide, but also a co-pilot and a partner and a team member that is walking the walk with you. I'm supporting you as you go through these things and I'm going through them as well in my life. And I read a book recently. I read two books recently in uh, my life where I was trying to get some knowledge about just the arts and creative expression and building a life that is successful and fulfilling for creative minds. And both of these books were well regarded, like the authors were well regarded. They were written by like elite status authors, I will say, like people that we look at as oracle type roles in the worlds of supporting creative people to very, very big names that we look at as like, these are the the wisdom. These are our Yodas, you know, that are like, please teach me, teach me what to do. How do I show up and how do I do this? And there was some good in these books. There were some real aha moments. There were some total like, yes, and yes, and like, I, I feel you. I feel it in my bones. I so agree with this. But there was also something that totally did not sit right in my gut. Throughout these stories of inspiration and hope and encouragement that they were sharing in both books was an undertone of lack disbelief and like this story that was untold but totally told of you better be ready to sacrifice and settle for less than and if I had not allowed myself to become confident as a critical consumer of knowledge I may have just glossed over these pages and let that belief take shape in my subconscious as my belief but as I read the work their words grabbed hold of me and they kind of like held me back and shook me. And I was kind of like in this state of like, what What the hell was that? Like, I didn't just read that, right? I went back, I read the words over again and then again. I think I read them like three or four times because my internal guidance system, my radar was going off to be like, meh, 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 danger, danger. Like these are not the droids you're looking for. You know, for the record, I like have seen Star Wars once, but that felt like a good line to stick in here. <laughs> I like to use a lot of references for things that I have no knowledge of, like Star Wars and running. Both of those things take up no space in my life, but I use them a lot in my storytelling. Anyway, so I went back over these words again, because like my gut, my internal compass, my guidance system, my wisdom, that little voice that we call intuition was telling me like something is not right. This does not feel right in my body, but here in my brain, with my logical mind, where my learning and my conditioning and my knowledge of labels and roles and expectations and my like experience of being a human on earth where I live in this society had shaped this expectation that like these people knew more than me. They are the experts. The heck, they have a book. They have multiple books. They have TED Talks. They have books. They have millions of followers on social media. And like, I'm here to learn from them. So like, Surely I was missing something, right? Like my brain was like, you have got to be not understanding what they're saying. This, you must be misreading this. So I would like go back and be like, what am I, what am I missing here? And I was really like, not shaming myself, but almost gaslighting myself to be like, 
why would you think that this is wrong? Like, why, why do you even feel this is off? These people are so far beyond where you are. Surely you have something to learn from them. And the first time this happened, I like totally brushed it off. I had read this book before. This was like the second or third time that I had read this book. And the fact that I didn't pick up what it meant the first time means, I don't know, like maybe I was in a bad mood or maybe I was in a space where I was already feeling like envy or guilt or less than and it just sort of didn't register on my mental desktop or maybe my learning hadn't brought me to a spot in terms of my beliefs around scarcity and my beliefs around money and possibilities and power. Maybe I just wasn't ready to catch that something was off for me until this third time that I had read the book. But I was like super activated that day. I was just like, oh, hell no. Like, what is that? What is what is this? And I like put the book down. I was like, I'm not reading this. This is crap. Like, if you don't think that it was something about artists not being able to make money. It was like, if you choose to be an artist, you're choosing a life of sacrifice, a life of le- a life of less than. I was like, this is fucked. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't be telling people this. So I put it away. And then the second time with another book, it happened months later and it was the same thing, I, except it didn't like sneak by. I read the words and I was super conscious as I read them. I think because I'd had this previous experience where I read it and I was like, uh, what now? And I read the page again. I was reading it, looking for that sign that I was wrong, that like I was out of order. It was inappropriate for me to disbelieve and disagree with this person and to be, you know, to be honest, fairly enraged by something that like a mentor had said to me. And it made me wonder, like, what happens to us that we second guess our gut reaction or we second guess our inner wisdom and our knowing? Both of those times I was reading it, the alarm bells went off inside where I was like, this is weird. I don't agree with this. And my immediate response both times was to reread and to look for proof that surely I was wrong and I had misunderstood. And why why do we do this? Like, why do we second guess ourselves and then have to look for proof that we are right? Why can we not just assume that what we believe and feel is valid and honor that? And I think there's a lot of reasons. Like, I think school does it to us. Our parenting does it to us. Like, from the moment we are born, we exist in a world of labels, of categories, of structure and different opposing power structures. Like, who... Who has not had the experience where they told their parents something and they were told that it was wrong? Like, no, that didn't happen as a kid. Or maybe a teacher. I remember multiple times I told a teacher something that I did or said or happened or I corrected something they said and then I was embarrassed or made a spectacle of because like, how dare you believe more than me? Um, When I was in grade three, we were like assigned readers for language arts class. Every year you'd be like, here's your grade one reader. Here's your grade two reader. And it was a series of short stories. And this was the grade three reader. And I remember my teacher put the thing down on my desk. And I was like, I've read this before. Uh, and I read it in grade one because I was ahead of the class. Like I learned to read at a very young age. I think I was reading at like at age three. So by the time I got to grade one, I was reading a grade three reader because I had a teacher that was like, this kid knows how to read. Let me support her. And so when it came to grade three and they put the reader down on my desk, I had this moment where I was like, I put my hand up and I was so proud and I was excited to tell my teacher, like, I already know this and I already have had this experience. And I was like, you know, waiting for her to greet me with open arms and encouragement. But instead, I was told very loudly and very dramatically in front of the class that I was either lying or completely confused because there was no possible way that I would have read a third grade reader before as they were assigned to each class. 
And so there's this immediate like denial of your experience, denial of what you think and believe, belittling and just brushing it off. And I, I pushed back gently because this woman was like a seven foot towering giant with like big dark hair. She was like Miss Trunchbull from Matilda in my head at least. And so I told her again, I was like, no, I have read this. And she just burst out laughing and dismissed me. It was like, no, like you're just talking crap. And then she asked me to like verify some answers about the book as if she was like challenging me and trying to call me out. And I just said, I've read this before. My teacher gave it to me and I gave her the name of my teacher. And then the very next week we were in language class again. And suddenly I was like reading up in a, you know, up on the upper floor by myself in a small room with another kid with a fifth grade reader. And yeah, I was finally recognized for like being right. But at the same time, I was removed from the group silently without any explanation, no indication of when I'd be rejoining or why I was here and no apology that honored what I had said to her before. And like, what does an experience like that do to your mind? It teaches you. It teaches you that there are rules for life and they are Speaking up and challenging authority is bad, it is wrong, and it is scary. It teaches you that thinking that you're better than somebody else is very dangerous, and that being better than someone else is going to result in isolation, social withdrawal, which as like an early you know, primitive human would put you in a position of like, you're going to die. So disagreeing, even when you're right, and even when you know that you're right, is always going to put you in a position of threat. Humans are wonderful, complex, fascinating creatures, but at the core, we are like simple, scared little animals who just, we don't want to die. And we come equipped with like a very sophisticated survival system that is constantly scanning our environment for threats. And it guides our behavior accordingly so that like we don't get attacked, whether that's a, a real attack or perceived attacking. And we're not at risk by being isolated from our group because remember, we are social animals. And when social animals are left alone in the wilderness, we make a nice snack for somebody else. So our brain will fight at all odds to keep us with the group and to keep us in cohesion and in agreement with the people around us, especially the people that are the leaders of our group, because we want to survive. So we take in these experiences and we filter them through this survival system we have in our brain and we create beliefs for ourselves that inform our future thoughts and our actions and an instant subconscious level. We build these like instantaneous subconscious beliefs like they're, I hope you can hear me snapping, that they will guide us through life and they will keep us safe. They will just be like, boop, programming, running. Boop, run that program. Boop, run that program. When anything happens in our life, because our brain, like I said, we're scared little animals, but we're very optimized robotic machines. And some of us never get out of that belief that when that we're safe when others lead us, that we're safe when others are in charge, and that we're safe when others are the navigator and we're quiet. Some of us never step out of that because we constantly reinforce that, yes, we are safe. We're not dying. Nobody's yelling at us. No one's challenging us. And our brain takes that as like, okay, good data, good info, repeat this again and again. And it causes us to overlearn, to under question and to over comply when what we really need to be doing is asking ourselves hard questions, taking risks and collecting our own data from new experiences and reflecting on what our next step is going to be. Not relying on 
the guidance of an external force or an external person. Above all else, I want you to remember that you are your best teacher. And does this mean we have nothing to learn from others? Like, absolutely not. I am learning something new every single day. I am learning all the time, everywhere, in a non-hierarchical fashion. I learned from my son, who is three and a half years old. He teaches me something every single day. I learn from the mistakes and the fuck-ups that I make every single day in my regular life. I learn from my rage and my anger and my emotions. I learn from podcasts and I learn from YouTube and I learn from books and all the articles and knowledge that I consume. But I learn even more when I stop and I question what I'm interacting with, when I can hold space to have a question, to consider it, and to step back and consider and learn from the information and the experience that I'm immersed in. I learn to lean into that inner compass of knowing, to ask the question that I need to make a judgment, to decide on a next step, and to move toward it. And sometimes, as in the cases of those two books that I was reading recently, where like it did not sit well, and I was like you're not the person I want to be guiding me if that's your framework for what an artistic and creative person is capable of. So the action for me in that scenario was to like close the book and move on. Sometimes the action that comes from having that moment of space where you consider and question before, you know, charging forward, sometimes that action is like, go buy some new materials and try a technique that I'm not familiar with, like learning to paint. Or sometimes it's like, okay, I need to actually take a course. I need to step in a different learning environment and immerse myself with a group of people where we can have an energetic exchange of ideas, thoughts, and processes. And so I'd love to wrap up this week's episode with a thought prompt for you. And you can take this question and you can brain dump out what first comes to mind. You can record yourself an audio note. You can type it out, you know, in your notes app, do a brain dump with pen and paper or take it to your art journal. But put these thoughts and these ideas that you have into a tangible space. Speak your words out loud, write them down, turn them into a story, turn them into a piece of content, give that thought and that idea space to breathe, expand, and then manifest into something. So your thought prompt for today to take this a bit further is ask yourself, what knowing are you waiting on? Are you feeling that you need to have this very moment before you can give yourself permission to step into something different, whether that's a new way of thinking, being, or acting. And ask yourself, who do you feel has this knowing that you don't? Who or what are you placing on a pedestal as being the giver of the knowledge, the giver of the wisdom, the holder of the answers that you don't have? And lastly, what would it look like for you to express what you already have of this knowledge? Hold space for these questions, right? Let your ideas come, give them the respect and the dignity that they deserve by breathing life into them through speaking them out loud. Take that idea and manifest it into something, manifest it into spoken word, manifest it into written word, turn them into a physical act of creating and go with it. Give yourself the space to play with this idea, to consider it, and then to create something out of it. 
And if you do decide to create something out of this prompt and you feel compelled to share it, I would love to see what comes of it. You can always send me a DM or post it on Instagram and tag me at Jennifer Hully. And until next week, that's it. All right. Remember, you're your greatest teacher. You are your own internal source of wisdom and guidance. You've got what you need within you to make the thing that you want to make. You've got this. And if you're looking to release this inner creator, this voice that's inside you and start making things and doing things and taking action in ways that are led by your intuition and your own innate creativity, I would love to have you apply for the February 2023 edition of my small group coaching program called Creativity Unleashed. It is an eight-week therapeutic art program. It's a small group. It is limited to six creators and we work together over eight weeks to help release limiting beliefs, perfectionism, and things that are holding us back from authentic, creative self-expression. It's to move you from being silenced and doing the same things day in, day out, and to step into a space of power and action-taking. It's eight weeks. It's hosted online. We engage in therapeutic art techniques such as abstract photography, light painting, mixed media collage, art journaling. And we do this through weekly creative prompts, tutorials. There's challenges and assignments. There's spaces for you to submit and share your work and give feedback. And All this happens on a private online forum in the Mighty Networks where we connect with each other. In addition to that, we have four Creators Circle events. Those are live calls where we come together with your fellow classmates and we support each other in a very, like I said, an intimate, collaborative, creative environment. It is by invite only, meaning you have to apply to participate and we'll have a conversation over Zoom. You and I will have a quick little chat It's a no obligation chat. It is not a sales call. It is just a conversation to sit down and ensure that we're both on the same page and get in touch with like where you are in your creative journey and where you want to go to see if this is the appropriate thing for you to be doing right now. It might be the right thing for you now. It might be the right thing for you the next time it runs. So the best way to establish that is to apply and to have that conversation. I call them chit chats. Like they're Like I said, they're super low key and they're not high pressure sales tactics. We do not do that here. It will start on February 13th. So if you would love to take part in the February edition of this, please go to the show notes, click on the link to apply, and I will send you a direct link where you can book your call with me. All right, until next week, I'll talk to you soon. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love your support as we grow the podcast community. You can do this in one of a few ways. The first is sharing the podcast with those you know who will love it. Share it with friends and family and other creators. Take a screenshot of the episodes that you love and share them on social. You can tag me at Jennifer Hully and also leave ratings and reviews on your podcast platform. That helps people find the podcast when they're looking for topics that we're covering in our episodes. I appreciate everyone's support. Every little bit helps and I'm forever grateful for the support of you as we grow this podcast community. Thanks so much and I'll talk to you next week.